The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome, dear listeners, to Season 10, Episode 13. I'm your host, Otis Jiry, and in this episode, I'll be performing four tales to terrify you, courtesy of author Kisto Healy, about childhood creeps, devastating drop-offs, peculiar paintings, and calamitous cataclysms. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which contains the first two spine-tingling stories. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now it's time to take a walk together down the moonlit trail. So lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show is about to begin. (laughs) Thing 
things will get better, right? They always do eventually. Unless, of course, you're in the collection of tales we're hearing tonight. Take our first story from Kisto Ely about a fellow whose life may not be perfect, but it's humming along just fine, until an old friend from the past shows up unannounced, determined to make sure he's remembered fondly. And without further ado, I present to you a nightmarish reunion. Corey was at the bar getting himself another old-fashioned with an Irish stout chaser when he stopped to look toward the back of the bar. He saw someone on his way up from the outside smoking patio, someone that looked familiar, but he couldn't place them. That was the way it went at the bar, wasn't it? Maybe they'd recognize him and come up to speak to him. That would make the whole thing easier. Then he would just have to smile and go, Oh yeah, hey, how are you? Corey paid the bartender, left a cash tip on the bar top, and carried one drink in each hand as he made his way back to the patio out back. He stared at the drinks and concentrated on not spilling them. It was more difficult than it sounded, as he'd already had a few. Corey preferred to go to the bar with company, but sometimes it was nice to come alone and make friends here. He wasn't married, he didn't have any kids, just had his job, his apartment, his cat, and his freedom to do whatever the hell he pleased. Some days, like today, what pleased him was to knock back a few and maybe go home with a stranger. STIs were scary, but he always had condoms and insisted upon using them even when his partners didn't want him to. Even when Corey was wasted, his principles were intact. Corey stopped at the back door to the bar. He sipped his liquor and then used his butt to push the door open. Then he slipped outside before it hit him and caused a spill. Everyone that was out there, smoking and mingling, looked up when he came through the door. They always did. That was the way. He did it himself. They wanted to see who'd arrived, if it was someone we're talking to, or maybe more. Just me, he wanted to say with a laugh. Go back to your drinks and your dates. Corey set his drinks on one of the tall tables and tugged his cigarettes from his pants pocket. A hand came before him, holding a lighter. He leaned into the flame, took a drag, and thanked the smiling blonde who walked away with a confident swagger. Maybe he should follow her, he thought. She had that look in her eye. Tonight could end well. Before he could make a move... Someone else came to his table, blocking the blonde from his line of sight. Corey frowned and sipped his liquor, following it immediately with the stout. We need to talk, the newcomer said. Corey looked at them clearly for the first time and realized that it was the man he'd seen earlier. I know you, Corey said, eyeing him with curiosity. Well, I sure hope so, the man said giving Corey a wide smile and showing his near-perfect teeth. Corey looked away and went back to his drinks, felt embarrassed. He had no idea who this man was, only that he was familiar, yet it seemed the man expected him to know more. This was awkward, and Corey wished he'd moved to follow the blonde woman before this man had moved in. He sighed. 
So, what do we need to talk about, he asked, wanting to get this strange interaction over with. Your childhood, the man said, flashing his smile again. Corey took a drag off of his cigarette. That's why you seem familiar, but I can't place you, he said after blowing out smoke. Or someone I knew as a child? The man nodded. He smoked a cigarette of his own that Corey hadn't noticed in his hand before now. That felt strange because he should have at least seen the smoke trailing up before the guy, but he didn't remember seeing any smoke but his own. Then again, he was a little tipsy, and the guy was outside in the smoking area, so it made sense for him to have a cigarette. Corey wasn't sure why he was thinking about it so much. We were close, the man said. No hint of the smile he wore only moments before. Then you forgot all about me. Now you don't even recognize me or remember me. That's why I'm here. You're at the bar because of me, Corey asked. You were taking a shot in the dark or you knew I came here? I'm sorry, I don't remember this guy from childhood, but this is getting a little weird. It's beginning to feel like he's been stalking me or something. I'm in this town because of you. I live far away from here. I just never got over the way you ditched me and forgot I existed. I wanted to... No, I needed to find you, to make you remember me. Corey took a step back away from the man and stumbled. He was drunker than he realized. Maybe it was time to call it a night and just go home alone before things got messy. Corey reached for his drink and missed and almost spilled it. He huffed and returned to his cigarette. Look, bud, he said, I'm sorry I can't place you. I'm sorry for whatever happened when we were young. Are you? the man asked, a sinister look in his eye. You worked so hard to move on, to erase me from your life. Now you're sorry you did? Curry looked at the man, studied him. It wasn't the face that gave him away as much as the voice. Was it possible? Could this man before him be the monster that tormented his dreams as a kid? No, that was impossible, wasn't it? That man wasn't even real. He was a figure of Corey's imagination, a product of the trauma caused by his abusive father. If he was showing up almost 20 years later, then it might just be time for Corey to quit drinking. What did you say your name was? Corey asked. I didn't. The man answered, his smile returning. I didn't say my name because I don't have one. Not really. I just am. Many people call me many things. And the boogeyman, the monster in the closet, the tooth fairy even. Call me whatever you want, Corey. What was it you called me when you were young? The bad man? That was it. I remember it fondly. Corey shook his head. Someone's messing with me. This can't be real. It isn't. Things like this don't happen. Your nightmare creature from childhood doesn't come back 20 years later and strike up a conversation with you in a bar. Who are you, really? Is this your idea of a joke? How'd you find out about my nightmares? Psychiatrists aren't supposed to divulge those things to people. But Dr. Simon must have. That's the only way you could know about the bad man. The other man actually laughed at him. Or maybe I was there. 
how much fun it used to be to come out of your closet or crawl from under your bed to watch your eyes grow and grow until that scream burst from your lips. Shut up! What the hell is this guy? What does he want? The stranger laughed again. You remember what happened next, don't you? Of course I do. That was a long time ago. It doesn't matter. I think I need some water. Corey looked around the room for someone that could provide a distraction, help him out of this bizarre situation. Everyone seemed engrossed in their own conversation. It almost seemed like they were purposely trying not to look at him. Your father would come into your room. He was furious that you woke him, and he'd scream and hit you, and you would scream and cry, and I... <laughs> I would hide and watch. I said, shut up. The stranger's smile only widened. When your father left to return to bed, I'd come back and terrorize you some more, but you were just as afraid of your father as you were of me, maybe more so. So you refused to cry, and you refused to yell. You just squeezed your eyes shut tight like that would make me go away, and then you'd wet the bed. Enough! Corey shouted. What the hell do you want? I just want you back, Corey. I want to be friends again. You're insane. I am? Who are you? Look around you. Corey turned away from him. When I looked at the people standing around, they quickly looked away from him. What the hell is going on? Did somebody put something in my drink? Corey turned back to the man, claiming to be his childhood nightmare. Can they see you? The man across from him winked. No, sirree. They think you are nuts. Look at that blonde girl you were talking to earlier. Take a look. Corey watched the man step out of the way so he could see the woman that lit his cigarette for him. She was staring straight at him, and she looked afraid. He wanted to apologize to her, but what would he even say? Instead, Corey looked back at the bad man and nodded. I have to take this conversation away from the public. I wish I could take my drinks to go. Somehow, I think I'm still going to need them. I don't know if they have enough alcohol in the building to get me through whatever's going on, though. Corey downed his old-fashioned, then he grabbed his beer and headed for the door that led into the bar. He looked back at the man that only he could see and said, Come on. Then he opened the door and stumbled into the bar. He downed what was left in his bottle and left it on the bar as he walked by en route for the front door of the establishment. You're going to be all right? The bartender called after him. You want me to call you an Uber? I'm walking, Corey told him. And then he marched out the door into the cool night air and lit up another cigarette. He took a long drag off of it and watched the door waiting for it to reopen. He knew the other man was following him, and the guy wasn't done yet. He wasn't just going to let Corey leave. Where the hell was he? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, 
and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. A voice spoke from behind him, talking softly into his right ear. Where are we headed? You going to take me to see your new bedroom? I hope I can fit under your bed still. Corey whipped around and glared at the man. Of course, he doesn't have to use doors, does he? Corey's gaze passed over the other people standing out front, and more coming and going in the eldest tongue. Instead of speaking, he just started walking, knowing that the other man would follow. He walked past prying ears and kept going until he reached the park. Corey glanced over and scoffed at the smile that was waiting for him. All right he said, entering the park and walking the dirt road under the overhanging trees. Talk. Tell me what you really want from me. The bad man walked with a skip in his step. He swayed and spun, almost dancing. You remember when you were twelve years old? That was the year you left me. The year my father died, Corey said. That's right. With him gone, things got a little easier for you to work with. Mom got you into therapy, and then you started seeing that psychiatrist who put you on meds, and even got a girlfriend. You were messed up, sure, but you weren't afraid anymore. That was just it. You literally looked at me and told me to go away. You said I wasn't real. Corey sat down on the bench beside the duck pond. So what? You're pissed off that I grew up? The bad man's smile fell away. A wave of anger fell over his face, a muscle spasming in his cheek. His eyes burned with hatred. His lip curled up and then relaxed. No, he said. More relaxed now, but still with an edge to his voice. Everyone I visit grows up, Corey. The thing is, they all take me with them. I'm a lasting trauma, something they try not to talk about with their spouses, but always feel and remember. I'm the reason they still stare at the floor beneath their bed when they enter the room at night or pack their closet so full that they know no one could fit in there. I'm the reason they go running when they hear their kids cry out, awakened from a nightmare because they're so afraid what happened to them is going to happen to their children. The fear of me is lifelong, and it spreads like a disease. You don't just get over it. Corey flinched as the man screamed his final words. Okay, he said quietly. The man bent over and stared into his face. 
He was snarling now, his eyes like burning embers. Corey nodded at the sight of him. This was the bad man he remembered. This is what was missing. The fury. The evil. That was why he looked familiar but different. Why Corey couldn't place him before. So why did you wait until now to come back? If you were so pissed that I stopped caring about you, then why didn't you haunt me sooner? Two guys jogging the trail by the pond turned their heads and glared at Corey. Freaking addicts are everywhere now, one of them said. Seriously thinking of moving, the other answered. Corey watched them jog past and he sighed. I wish I was on drugs. I did try to get you back before now, the Batman said. I was so angry. I lashed out. You were 16. You hadn't mentioned me in your therapy sessions. You didn't draw pictures of me in your journal or wake up in a cold sweat remembering the way I used to torment you. I'm always watching, waiting to come up. But I never did. So I took it out on your girlfriend. Corey jumped up from the bench and he stormed off. That's bullcrap, he said as he went. She moved away. You're just trying to scare me, to make yourself relevant again. So you dated for years, and she moved away without so much as saying goodbye? Corey was talking so fast, the bad man had to run to keep up with him. If it's not true, then why are you running away, Corey? That's the truth of what happened when you were young, isn't it? You didn't stop being afraid. You just ran away, hid from the memories, took meds to block me out. It was the alcohol, wasn't it? Corey said as he stomped through the park. That's why I was able to see you and talk to you again after all these years. The Batman's voice came from the other side now, whispering into his other ear. That's right. You claim to be healed, to be over me. But you spend your nights drinking alone at a bar and stumbling home. You're not over anything. Corey growled. You have no idea what you're talking about. I'm a social drinker. I don't usually drink alone. And even if I start off that way, I don't end the night that way. I could have gone home with that blonde if you hadn't showed up and ruined it. Believe what you want to believe. Doesn't she look at all familiar to you? Don't all the blondes you meet here when you're drunk? Curry stopped in his tracks. She looked like Lindsay, he said more to himself. She's the one thing I never got over. Because she left you without so much as a goodbye, and you were so in love, Corey. You thought you were going to get married and live happily ever after. And to this day, you can't understand why you didn't. You're constantly drawn to women that look like what she would look like if she were still alive. You take them home and make love to them, but you won't ever date them or start a relationship because you don't trust them to stay, to not break your heart the way sweet little Lindsay did. I made sure that fear and hurt she caused lingered, because my own didn't. Corey threw a punch at him, but his fist only sliced through the night air. He swung again and again. She's not dead, he snarled as he tried to hit the man, who just disappeared and reappeared at will, laughing at him in his pent-up anger. She moved away. Load of this guy, someone said as they walked by, drinking a beer in a paper bag. 
Another young man next to him with a similar choice in beverage said, First rule of Fight Club. And the two of them laughed hysterically. Screw you, Corey yelled. He lowered his head and charged at him. a boy, the madman said from behind him as he ran. The young men yelled out, Whoa, and then laughed some more. Corey swung his fist at them the same way he had at the man of his childhood nightmares, and just the same, his punches failed to connect with anything. The boys laughed and threw their beer cans at him before running away. Oh, Corey, a voice said in his ear, you can do better than that, can't you? That's just pitiful. I mean, I knew you couldn't hit me, but you should have been able to beat those brats into submission. Has anyone ever told you that you drink too much? Corey fell to his knees. He put his hands to his head and covered his ears, squinting his eyes shut tight. Just shut up, he said. You're not any more real now than you were back then. I'm not going to let you do this to me. Just go away. I'm done. Are you really, though? The bad man's voice traveled like he was walking circles around Corey as he sat upon the ground. You were just trying to pick up another girl that looked like Lindsay. And you mean to tell me you really want me to leave? You don't want to find out what actually happened to her? She moved away, Corey said without opening his eyes. You're not real. Go away. The bad man laughed. And <laughs> tell me, Corey, why you were never able to find her? I told you, I'm always watching, waiting on my moment. I know you've been looking for her for years. You called people and searched social media. Even her parents didn't know what happened to her. That was strange, wasn't it? They just had that note I watched her write. The one that said she was running away and going to live a better life. Corey's eyes snapped open, and he stared angrily at the smiling man before him. And that's what happened. Her father wasn't any better than mine. That's what drew us together, understanding and compassion through shared trauma. She had reason to run away. I just wish she'd told me, or given me the chance to come with her. I would have gone. I would have gone. The bad man stared into Corey's eyes and grinned. And she would have asked. And deep down, you've always known that. You've always known that something terrible happened to her. Corey felt defeated. His shoulders slumped and his head hung down, his eyes on the ground. Tell me, what did you do? Tell me. The bad man backed away and stood, Corey's gaze following him as he did so. You didn't come to this park by coincidence, Corey. Always walk this way because you used to come here with Lindsay. You came here because she was on your mind. Because she's always on your mind. It's no different than the blondes at the bar. What did you do? Corey snapped. The bad man simply smiled. I'll show you. I'll make it all make sense and in turn, make sure that you never forget me again. Go to your special place. The place where you and Lindsay used to go to hide away from your dads and feel safe. Even after your own dad passed, her dad kept your fear of him alive and well. Come on, let's go, lead the way. Corey went to the walking bridge, and he stepped into the stream that ran under it. He looked around just like he did when he was in high school, 
to make sure that no one was looking. He could almost feel Lindsay next to him. Not a day went by that he didn't miss her. When he judged the coast to be clear, he crawled under the bridge that was barely above the ground. His clothes got soaked in the stream. He reached down into the water and grabbed big rocks, removing them from a piece of rotted old wood. Then he moved the wood and there was a metal cover. He strained to lift it from the water. I knew you would still remember the way, the bad man said from behind him. Corey looked over to find the man squatting next to him, looking joyous and gleeful. Corey just snorted and went back to the task at hand. He needed to prove to himself that all of this was in his head, that nothing was down there. He needed to see with his own drunken eyes that Lindsay had moved and the bad man wasn't real. Then he could talk to his therapist all about it next week when they met again. Once the metal cover was removed, Corey slipped into the exposed end of the pipe, sliding down in water that spilled in from the stream. He remembered doing the same with Lindsay and laughing together before kissing when they reached the bottom. Come on, he could hear her say in his memory. Corey ran along the tunnel until he reached a hole in the wall and he climbed through it. It's still here. I can't believe it's still here after all this time. I guess it was pretty well hidden. This is it, he said out loud then. You put the metal lid on yourself and Lindsay covered it with cardboard. You stole it from the manhole by the school. Do you remember? Of course. It was heavy as hell and crazy, but Lindsay was afraid that the wood wasn't enough, that her father would find our special place and make it terrible just like home. But he never did. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure he would have killed both of us if he had. That's why you still come this far in and went through the wall into this place after coming down here just to be safe. You were both safe here. Safe together, right? This was your special place, where you could be together and nothing could hurt either of you. That's right, Corey said. But now he was feeling nervous. Except it isn't. If it didn't get too wet on the way down here, take your phone out and turn on the flashlight. Corey wanted to argue to snap at his childhood monster again. But he was too afraid, so he just did as the bad man said. When he had the flashlight on, he cast the light around the room, illuminating the scene a few feet at a time. It was on his third sweep that he saw her. She was little more than a skeleton now, sitting up in the corner. She was still wearing the floral print baby doll dress she used to wear all the time because he liked it. No, it couldn't be her, right? It had to be somebody else. Surely someone else had found this place other than them. Maybe someone overdosed. No one ever found this place, the bad man told him. It was yours, and it still is yours, just like Lindsay. Do you believe me now? Do you fear me now? Corey started to shake. He whipped around with a fury to glare at the bad man, but it wasn't over there could feel him on his other side, and Corey screamed, whipping around again. The bad man laughed as Corey jammed a finger into his smiling face. What did you do? What the hell did you do? You told me you'd tell me. You said you'd make it make sense. So make it make sense, damn it. 
what did you do? The bad man offered his signature smile. I didn't do anything, Corey. I'm not real. Suddenly, Corey found himself alone with a skeleton that had been hidden away for so long, and he collapsed, sobbing. He crawled across the floor and took the old bones into his arms. He coughed from the dust and cried into the dress that had all but disintegrated over the years. I hope you enjoyed A Nightmarish Reunion by Kisto Healy, as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed that tale and would love to read more from tonight's very talented feature author, you can help support them by visiting simplyscarypodcast.com slash Healy. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash H-E-A-L-Y. While you may find some dabblings on Instagram or his blog, what you're probably in the mood for is the many samplings he has available in print in a vast number of collections. If you do decide to stop by the profile, please leave Kisto a kind word and let him know you heard about him here on this show and that Otis Gyrie sent you. It would mean a lot to me. Thanks again for your support of this program and of tonight's featured author. Geez, so clingy. Get a room, you two. Oh, right. They did, didn't they? But really, it was a happy ending, wasn't it? Boy and girl finally reunited after so many years, and I'm sure he won't mind the lack of conversation. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But maybe love doesn't always work out the way we want it to. Sometimes we find ourselves abandoned, set adrift on a sea of the unknown, and not where we want to be in life. In our second Kiso Healy tale, we meet Wes, someone who thinks that he can only go up from where he is, but has no idea just how far down things can go. 
Without further ado, I present to you The Plunge. Wes didn't care that it was dark. He didn't care that it was cold. He didn't care that he was miles from home. He just cared about getting away, about clearing his head. He wanted to be free under the stars for a while. He needed it. Screw her. Screw them all. It was bad enough being almost 30 and having to go back home to live with your parents. Wes had a college degree. A lot of good it did him right now. Life didn't give a damn about his degree. Life didn't have an HR department for him to email. Life did what it wanted to do, and apparently it wanted him to suffer. Isn't that right, Tara? It's even worse when your mom decided that catching your wife in bed with your best friend and losing your entire goddamn life meant that you now regressed back to a baby. Instead of compassion and understanding, his mother gave him her usual bossy nature and need for control. He immediately remembered why he had worked so hard to get his degree and move out of that house. He would never have gone back if he had had a choice. But I didn't, did I? What was I supposed to do? Stay there? Sleep in that bed where she slept with him? Pretend that everything was going to be okay and go back to normal? To hell with that! Wes couldn't take it. He couldn't take his mother's constant nagging and griping. The talk about saving money and doing chores like he was a child. It wasn't just coming from her mouth, either. The woman left post-it notes around the house with specific instructions for him to follow should he want to fix food or wash his clothes or do any number of things that he had been perfectly capable of doing for many years now. Who does that, Mom? Huh? Get some help, for God's sake. Wyatt didn't ask for any of this to happen. Why couldn't his mother understand his situation and feel for him? Empathize. Or at least, sympathize. He would prefer her pity to whatever this was that he was getting. His father was even worse. He was cold, uncaring, rigid, and set in his ways. You lived under his roof, you paid your share. The old man wanted him to pay rent weekly, and no small share either. My son's entire life just fell apart. Seems like a good opportunity to bleed him dry. Isn't that right, Dad? Pretty sure that's not in the parents' handbook. How was Wes ever supposed to get a place on his own and move out of that goddamn house if he gave his parents all his money? It was enough to drive anyone crazy. Wes felt like he was suffocating in that house, like it sucked the air right out of his lungs. He needed to get out of there, to get fresh air, to breathe freely. Nature was healing. Nature was peace. That was what he needed more than anything. Just some honest peace. Wes could still see terror in his head, giggling and squirming under the sheets. His sheets. Unaware that he was even there. He'd been in shock when he walked in on them. And he stood there in the doorway just staring at the horrible scene unfolding before his eyes. 
Cal was the one that eventually saw him, and he shoved Kate off, playing the victim. Just the thought of it made West nauseous. Cal started running his mouth immediately once he knew that he'd been caught. He'd tried to play it like Tara had seduced him, taken advantage of him. He wasted his breath explaining to West how none of this was his fault, and he never wanted it. He was a good, loyal friend. More than that, they were brothers. It was pitiful, sickening, and Wes could see the betrayal in Tara's face. She felt as betrayed by Kyle as Wes did. It was written all over her in all her nakedness. Screw them both. In truth, Wes didn't care about what led up to that moment or who initiated it, only that it happened and that he believed it wasn't the first time. Did she take advantage of you last time, too? They're both liars. Horrible, backstabbing, selfish liars. Hatred lived in Wes's broken heart now. The house was in his name, but he didn't want to live in it anymore after that. How could he? He'd think about it every moment of every day. His anxious mind would never set him free. Wes, let Tara have the house. He let her have everything. He couldn't look at her without seeing her moaning above his best friend, biting her lip and smiling. Wes had thought Tara was the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen from the moment he'd laid eyes on her at the laundromat off campus. It led to their first date, which led to their marriage, which led to this horrible, traumatizing moment. Apparently, Kyle thought his wife was beautiful, too. What Wes saw that day wasn't beautiful at all. It was ugly, horrible and ugly, and it was all he would ever see from now on. They can have each other. I don't want anything to do with either of them. Wes had a hard time going home, making the call even, but he didn't have much of a choice. I didn't have any choice, did I, Mom? Maybe she knew I would never have gone back to her willingly. That bitterness drove her to be even worse than she'd been when I lived there before. Wes had needed out of his own house in marriage, and his money was tied up in bills or already spent on groceries for the week. He barely had money for gas. Being back home made everything so much worse, though. It brought back childhood trauma he didn't even realize he had before now. Tonight... What led him out here into the North Carolina wilderness was his mother was griping about the way he folded his own laundry. His father had wanted to see his pay stub to tell Wes how much of it belonged to him and how much was theirs. It was madness and driving him crazy. And Wes had to leave. He just had to. He needed air. Wes hadn't considered the weather or the danger. He simply walked out the front door with his father, demanding he return like he was 16 all over again. He bit back the urge to scream, I'm 29 years old. Then he got into the car and decided he needed a hike. Wes needed some self-care for the soul. It was long overdue. Nature was always calming. It was also far away from his mother's shrill voice and his father's extended hand. Wes hated that he needed them at all, even as a child. The chill in the air stung, and Wes realized 
far too late that he should have worn a heavier coat. At least it wasn't raining. That really would have made my life feel like a sad movie. Wes could see his breath as he hiked along, climbing through the endless trees of the woodland. There were lots of places like this off the parkway. Gorgeous scenic views and trails, waterfalls and streams. It was too dark right now to see any of that, but it was there. Wes could hear the rushing water nearby, and it helped him to breathe. This is therapy, he thought. This is real freedom. Wes stepped on the rocks and climbed to the trees, and he was beginning to feel like a kid again, not in the way his mother saw him, but in a good way, a nostalgic way. He felt like the childlike sense of adventure, the magic, and the wonder of his youth. This was definitely what he needed. Woohoo! He cried out into the night. Then the world fell away. Wes was just going through the trees. He wasn't anywhere near an edge. At least he didn't think it was. It was dark, but he could see enough, or he thought he could. It happened so quickly. It caught him off guard. One second, he was hiking through the woods, and then the next... The earth was gone out from under him, and he was plummeting downward into oblivion. He gasped. You'd expect to scream in a situation like that. If he was imagining it, he would have seen himself screaming and cussing. In reality, the shock was like a weight on his chest. It stole his breath, and with it, his voice. He made little to no sound as he descended into the darkness. Wes hit the bottom hard and Cain lanced through his back. His head smacked off of something hard. He was seeing stars, and if it wasn't for that, he wouldn't have seen anything at all. The darkness was deeper wherever he'd fallen to. He groaned and tried to get up only to find that he couldn't. There wasn't room to. The fall had taken him into some kind of thin tunnel. Maybe he'd slid when he hit the bottom. If he fell hard enough, could see that happening. He supposed it made sense. Whatever the explanation, Wes had fallen down an air hole and landed in a small alcove with a low ceiling. He couldn't see it, but he could feel it all around him, like he was in a tanning bed, but far more snug. There was no room for Wes to do anything. It frightened him, made him anxious and affected his vitals. Wes had stormed out of the house in anger. He hadn't told anyone where he was going. I screwed up. Oh, God, I really screwed up. Please don't let me die out here. This was hiker's country, though, he reminded himself. People traversed these trails daily, sometimes in even big groups. Someone was bound to find him eventually. But how long would it actually take? He had no way to know. How far out of sight was he? people would have to pass before someone noticed him. It could be days. That was a frightening realization. He didn't have any water with him. He only planned to be gone a few hours. I thought I was going to blow off some steam and then return home, hating my parents and my life a little less. Now, I may not make it back at all. Wes felt a surge of panic. He tried screaming for help, calling out in hopes that someone else was nearby. Maybe there was some poor sap having just as bad a day as he was. He 
cried out to anyone and everyone, asking if they could hear him. Anybody, please help. I'm trapped. Please. The only response he received was just dirt and gravel raining down on him. It splattered his face and fell into his mouth. He coughed and choked and squeezed his eyes shut to fight off tears. He wanted to scream, but he knew it wouldn't do any good. Wes's life had been a mess, a tragic and pitiful mess. But he didn't want to lose it, not like this. He'd been upset because he wanted to change his fate, to have a chance to live again and be happy. Wes had come out here for clarity, and all he found was darkness and death. He felt terror course through him like an electric current, and his body trembled. It sped his heart and made his breath catch in his chest. He knew it would only make this situation worse, but he didn't know how to stop it. He was having a panic attack. How do you convince yourself to be calm when you're trapped alone in the dark in the middle of nowhere? How do you relax when you know you might die? Wes reached out into the darkness and he dug at the surrounding dirt with his fingers. He felt for an opening, the hole he had fallen down. He thought maybe if he could find the spot where he fell down, he could shimmy in and climb back out. He wished he could see. His fingers just seemed to find thick, dry earth. He felt it filling in and caking under his nails that burned like they were bleeding. They felt like they were going to tear off if he kept scratching. Maybe if he could get his phone out of his pocket, he could use it to see. Wes told himself to remain calm, to use his head. He told himself that he'd get out of here, and then he'd get out of his parents' house, and everything would be okay. He didn't believe a word of it, but he was trying to manifest it into being. Wes pulled his fingers back from the surrounding earth and let them walk down to his torso like a tarantula until they came to his jeans pocket. He pulled his fingers aside and felt nothing. No, 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 no. Oh, God, no. His phone had to have fallen out at some point. He hoped to God that it was when he fell into this hole, and it was just lying somewhere nearby. If it was down here with him, that would mean he could still find it and use it. But if he'd lost it somewhere on his hike before he got to whatever it was that he fell through, then he would be in real trouble. He supposed it could have fallen out at any time, without him even realizing. That was a terrifying thought, and he pushed it out of his head. Ruminating on bad things that could be wasn't going to help him survive those bad things that definitely were. It's here. Find it, he told himself. Wes tried to roll over onto his belly, but he found that he was in a space too small for that. He knew he needed to do it, though. He had to find his phone. The phone meant survival. This was literally life or death. Man up, Wes. You can do this. Okay, okay, come on. You've got this. Just take it slow. Wes twisted to one side. He hit cold dirt that was as sharp as the stones protruding from it and just as solid. He gritted his teeth and tried to force himself to complete the turn. As painful as it was. Inch by inch he went, and the earth didn't give. 
tore through his clothes and the flesh beneath, scraping and scratching like knives coated in so many sheets of sandpaper. Tears welled in his eyes, but Wes kept going. He cried out when he made it and completed the turn at last. His body burned with the agony of his efforts. He was sure he was bleeding and for the first time was glad that he couldn't see. In the dark, I can convince myself that it's not as bad as it feels. Wes didn't understand how he could have fallen into such a tight space. It was like the chamber he'd gone down into got smaller as it went. So when he finally hit bottom, he was wedged in tight, like a sardine in a can. If he was right, that was about as bad as luck gets. He knew from the past month that his luck was pretty bad, but this was next level. Just focus on the phone. Find the phone. Stop thinking about that stuff and think about getting out of here. Wes put his palms down against the ground beneath him, and a shiver ran through him. The cold was really biting him down here. Cold could kill, he knew. Would the sun even reach him where he was once it rose? Would he even warm up in the day? And he wasn't willing to bet on it. Wes felt around, moving his fingers like worms across the frozen ground. He felt for anything he could touch, feel in the dark that wasn't a stone. He cringed as his fingers passed over the insects that squirmed and squiggled beneath his touch, but he kept looking. He prayed the phone was there. God, please let it be here. Wes felt something then, and he wriggled his body so he could inch forward to try to get a better feel. Please, be my phone. I need to call for help. Would he even have service down here? Even if he didn't, the phone would be light until the battery died. And you could make an emergency call without service, couldn't you? He felt confident that he could. It was about the only thing he felt confident about at that moment. Wes's fingers had run across something smooth. It could have been a stone, but it felt different to him. Could it be the screen of his phone? It'd be amazing if it fell all the way down and didn't even crack. How far had he even fallen, really? He didn't have a clue. It felt far to him, but he really didn't know. He couldn't even find the way back up, and if he did, he couldn't see up to it to judge the length of the drop. Maybe it's not as far as it feels like it is. I could be just a few feet down. Maybe someone will hear or see me. Wishful thinking. Wes wasn't going to scream. He remembered the mouthful of dirt he got last time. It would come down on the back of his head this time. But what if more came? What if it blocked the exit and sealed him in? Trapped him for good? In his mind, Wes imagined what it would be like to be buried alive. To slowly run out of air. To panic and freak out and have that only make it worse and steal precious minutes of the little life he had left until he died there down in the earth, with hikers climbing and jogging over his corpse unknowingly. It wasn't a good thing to imagine things like that. His heart was speeding up, and his breaths were coming quicker. What would he do if he hyperventilated down here? Wes closed his eyes and counted to ten slowly. When his body rhythms were back to a more normal level, 
He inched forward again. His fingers slid across the surface of whatever was there, and then his index finger slipped through a hole. His eyes went wide, even in the blackness of his confines, and he moved his index finger around the hole. He backed his hand up and let the finger slip back out, and he tried again with a gentle caress. He felt the way it ebbed and curved. There was another smaller hole. Then... Teeth? Wes didn't need light to know what he had just found was a skull. It felt big, human, and it stole what remained of his hope. He twisted, turned, and screamed. His earthly cage scraped and tore at him, and sprays of dirt and rock showered him where he lay. He gagged on it, but he continued to scream. Then he was bathed in light, and he cut his scream off. His throat felt hoarse, and he could taste dirt in his mouth, feel it grinding into his teeth. Wes didn't think he'd been down in his hole long enough for the sun to rise, so the light had to come from somewhere else. He fought against the tight scratching walls in order to look around for the opening that sent him there. It may have been irrational, but he felt like the light could be temporary like he had to take advantage of it before it was taken away, and he was left with only pitch-black darkness as company. He clenched his jaw against the pain and kept going. Then he saw it, and he released a few notes of hysterical laughter. Immediately, he began to pull himself in that direction. As he went, his eyes fell upon the skull he had felt earlier. It wasn't alone. There were several bones and even other skulls. Wes didn't want to think about what that meant. They just have to get to that opening. Have to get out there. Have to live. It wasn't lost on him that the emergence of the light could mean that someone was up there. Maybe they'd heard him scream. Hello? He called out. Hello? Someone up there? I'm trapped down here. I fell in. I don't know what happened. I need help. Wes poked his head into the opening and stared up the shaft of earth he had fallen through. But the light was so bright that he still couldn't see anything. He squinted hard and groaned. His eyes burned. Hello, he said again. Is someone there? It's too bright. I can't see. I need help. There was no response. Nothing but that blinding light shining down from above. Wes wanted to scream again kick and tug at his hair and cry. He wanted to freak out, but he kept it contained for the time being, at least. Someone has to be there, right? The light had to come from somewhere. It had to. Who's there? Can you hear me? He yelled. I need help. I'm trapped down here. I lost my phone. I don't think it's down here. I don't know what happened to it, but I couldn't call anyone for help. Can you help me? Hello? At last, the light dimmed. Through the flashes of color floating in front of his eyes, Wes could see a man looking down at him. Oh, thank God. I'm saved. The guy did seem pretty far away. It was hard to tell for sure, but from this angle, it looked like the stranger was a good 30 or 40 feet up. Hey! My name is Wes. 
I was taking a late-night hike to clear my head. Obviously not my best idea, I know. I don't know what happened. I didn't even see this hole. I just fell right through it and got trapped. It's so cold. Can you help me? The phone is right here. I've got it. The man called down to him. He held it down into the hole so Wes could see that it was indeed his. He wasn't entirely sure from that long a distance, but it looked enough like it. He had no reason not to believe the guy. Great. Thank you. Don't thank me. I ain't giving it to you. What? Wes called up to the man, panic finding its way back into his heart. You said you don't know what happened. So let me help you out with that, the man told him. You wandered onto private property on your late-night stroll, and you fell into my hole. I used to keep signs up to let people know, but they all just ignored them anyway, so I took the damn things down. Besides, it's more fun this way, when folks like you don't realize you're on my land until it comes out from under you. It used to be that hole was just where I threw the kids I shot for trespassing keep their bodies out of sight. Now I don't shoot no one anymore. I just dig more holes. It just gets me tickled to watch you folks die slow. What is this guy saying? This can't be real. He's not going to just leave me down here to die. He can't. I'm so sorry, Wes called up to the man. I had no idea it was on private property, I swear. I wouldn't have come this way if I knew... I meant no offense. Please, please help me. I'm really stuck down here. Yeah, I designed it that way. You ain't getting out, but I'll love it if you try. Goodbye now. The light blinked away, and total darkness returned. No, wait! Wes begged. Please don't go. You can't just leave me down here. Please come back. Please! There was no answer. Wes tried again and again, begging and calling to the man, pleading with him, but he got nothing, nothing but silence and darkness. He tried to twist himself to bend up into the hole so he could climb up, but he got jammed up and further stuck in an awkward and painful half-sitting position. Please, you've got to help me, please. You can't leave me down here like this. Oh, my God, please. Then the man's voice returned reaching out to him through the darkness and letting Wes know that he had never truly left. It's the thirst that really gets you, he said. You'll see. That's when Wes started screaming, really screaming. He released his terror in primal, agonizing, throat-tearing cries. Cries that were only met with laughter. I hope you enjoyed The Plunge by Kisto Healy, as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed what you've heard tonight, I'd like to remind you one last time that tonight's featured authors can be found by visiting our website. Just visit simplyscarypodcast.com slash Healy. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash H-E-A-L-Y. Visit Amazon and see how many literal dozens of books he's been published in 
containing his wonderfully weird short excursions into the depths of madness. As a reminder, if you do decide to give any of this talented author's stories a read, please consider leaving them a quality review and a kind word, or a thoughtful public comment and an upvote, and be sure to let them know you heard about them here on this program, and that me, Otis Jerry, sent you. It means more to me than you can imagine, and I'm quite sure Kisto would much appreciate it as well. Thanks again for your support of this show and of tonight's featured author. Now, before we go, I'd also like to take a moment to thank you personally for joining me for this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to us. If you'd like to hear a premium, extended edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes featuring twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com where you can purchase season passes for this podcast and our other quality storytelling programs, or become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well at the Otis Gyre channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Storytime, dating back to 2014. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Just search for Otis Gyre. Until next week, stay spooky. Get some sleep, if you can. (laughs) Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, the Otis Jiry channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at 
Otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs>you know and trust is now Angie and we're so much more than just a list we still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly we can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish so remember Angie's list is now Angie and we're here to get your job done right get started at Angie.com that's A-N-G-I or download the app today Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.